Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Master Ace from Brooklyn, New York. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Einenkel. My next guest has been representing hip-hop culture and music all his life since he released his debut album, The Devil Made Me Do It, released 30 years ago on December 4th, 1990, to his newest album, Safe Space Invader. Paris has been empowering and teaching people, all with an incredible flow, wordplay, and voice. Paris, welcome to the library. Library Raps, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Angle. Thank you so much for being here. Man, right off the rap, I appreciate it. I maintain me some act right. Little devil, get your facts right. Where it all started Not purple but black hearted From the land where we hustle harder Thought I let it go Cool, so I have to of course uh, I start with uh, I want to start out with Your studio albums And how you've kind of Spread them out uh, Because obviously like I think You know, I'm 41 So like you you and I have Come up in the time where There wasn't a quick turnaround, right? That people actually listen to albums right, <laughs> uh, Versus right. like you know, one song and then you're done. Um, and you've done that with, you know, 1990 to 92, Nangrilla Fung 94, on, you know, 98, Sonic Jihad 2003, et cetera, et cetera, up until now. Um, mm. Why uh, wh- why have you continued this kind of, uh, you know, n- nice separation of albums and not and have not gotten caught up in, all right, I, I'm, you know, it's 2020, I got I to gotta release, 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 release. Well, you know, I want to obviously take the time to to craft my craft. And um, it's very easy to get caught up in this kind of McMusic approach to making things for the sake of making them and for having quantity over quality. And for me, you know, I don't freestyle for this very reason because I'm very kind of measured in how I approach music and how I want things to come across. And, you know, I want the material that I put out to be able to withstand the test of time and to accurately reflect everything that I'm feeling and that I'm going through. And that's happening culturally Mm. at any any given moment, Mm. you know, so, so each one of these projects is a, is a snapshot in time for what was happening at the time. And sadly, I mean, they're, they're almost interchangeable because things haven't really changed. Yeah, right. So, you know, um, I keep doing it. And I really, the other thing too, is I only do it really when it moves me mm. to do it, you know? Yeah. So I might not be as, as uh, involved in hip hop at any given moment. You know, I, I know that's, 
probably the realest shit that's ever been said in a hip hop interview by a rapper. But <laughs> I don't give a fuck about hip hop half the time <laughs> because it doesn't seem like it gives a fuck about us right. and the and the way that it is uh, interpreted and the way that it's presented to listeners now is really done in an ultra commercial way where the majority of things that are emphasized are emphasized to promote corporate culture Mm -hmm. and to promote consumption. So, you know, when you're, when you're an artist like me saying the kind of things that I say and, uh, and that PE says, you know, and, and, and other artists that, that, you know, kind of swim upstream and go against the grain of what's traditionally being presented, you know, you got to be measured in your approach. Yeah, I want to actually ask you, do you think, I mean, a couple questions there. Um, do you think if if hip-hop wasn't, or rap music for not hip-hop, but if rap music wasn't as commercially successful as it is, obviously it's the number one genre out there, mm-hmm. uh, where do you think hip-hop culture would be in terms of continuing to make music um, because I, cause you know, cause, cause you do have it. Cause you know, I do feel that, you know, if uh, many artists out there that are hip quote unquote hip hop artists, uh, coming up today, if, you know, if rock was still the number one genre, they'll be rock musicians, right? They wouldn't mm-hmm. just be they, cause they're just doing it to, they're obviously trying to make the quick buck. So where do you think, um, hip hop culture would be today if, uh, it didn't have so much commercial success i think the same thing can be said of the content of hip-hop culture Hmm. i think if certain elements and certain themes were encouraged by labels i wholeheartedly believe that hip-hop would look completely different Hmm. i think hip-hop um a lot of people who consider themselves being rappers gravitate toward what they think is uh, popular and what they think labels want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, they take the, the the direction that the label gives them and they, you know, it's kind of a cookie cutter approach to making music. So if you listen to a lot of the things on Billboard's Top 200, a great many of them sound the same, you know, and it's a handful of producers that handle pretty much everything that's that's on that same list, you know, and, and on these same songs that are presented to the public by way of large commercial entities by mm-hmm. clear channel by you know radio one and entertainment one and and you know and and these big conglomerates that decide on which 10 songs to play 10 times an hour right you know um it's a very measure it's a very measured approach for them and they want to have you know as as uh, capture as big a swath of the listening audience as they can and they want to do it in a way that is as inoffensive and as generic as possible. Right. And and that is what we see. And so a lot of times hip hop artists gravitate towards what they think is successful and they want to be down with it. So it just really depends on what your motivation is. My motivation is to stay true to the art because I came up in an era where art was emphasized and its importance was stressed and where I was quite frankly able to be exposed to a lot of good art. Mm. You know, I, I think um, there's an old adage that says you can't miss what you never knew. Right. And I think a lot of these artists never knew, especially the younger ones, never knew good music. They never knew musicianship. They never have been exposed to things that came before them that 
you know, gave you a sense of music structure that, that, that gave us a sense of, of true emotion being conveyed in music. Um, you know, the Stevie Wonders and the Isley Brothers and, the, you know, George Clinton's and the Curtis Mayfields and the Earth, Wind and Fires. I mean, a lot of them are exposed to these artists by way of samples that other artists have used. But I don't even think that they really know the depth of what's possible in music. And so it depends on what your passion, your level of passion for it is and how deep you're willing to go. And, um, you know, it, I can tell a lot about a person and I hate to say this, but it's true. I can tell a lot about a person by what they listen to in the same way that I can tell a lot about your level of consciousness based on what you eat. Hmm. So, um, you know, I just maintain the high road. It's never hurt me in the past. And, uh, you know, I, I know that the type of music that I make is not palatable for huge chunks of the population, but I'm cool in my lane. And I know that people that fuck with me, you know, they ride with me and 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 appreciate the fact that I'm, you know, kind of staying on this path. So I'm thankful. Uh, I mean, of course, I ask you about your music. But I have another uh, another question I, I I just thought about is that um, do you think you we, you know we 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 did we came up at a time where you could have there was a lot of more diversity on the radio in terms of lyrical content for hip hop artists, right? Uh, you could have an NWA with a Public Enemy. You could have you know um, two Live Crew with Paris. You know you know that those the, those would be played. Um, do you think the popularity of, of essentially hip hop being rap music being um, kind of more pop music ish now? Do you think that played a part or factor in hurting the empowering lyrical content that was p being played on the radio? I don't. You know, the radio was hurt by the internet. I right. mean, I don't think it's really been hurt by anything else other than that, and music in general. From what I can tell, you know, they say that that uh, video killed the radio star <laughs> <laughs> and and it's true. You know, I mean, when I look, think back of the people that I listened to growing up, it, it was nothing. And I mean, nothing at all photogenic about any of those artists. It was all solely based on the music. Right. You know, it might be 30 people in, in the in the in in each band and they'd be you know fat and unkempt and not put together and not and just not giving a shit about anything but mm -hmm. the music and that shit showed in the output mm. that they that they came across with timeless output that's revered by many right and so yes while it's true in the in the, in the you know kind of in the early inception of hip-hop especially out here on the west um you could hear me and you could hear Hammer and you could hear Short and you could hear Digital Underground and you could hear Rapid Fote and you could hear a lot of these things on local local radio here at the same time simultaneously kind of living in this in, in, in their own respective space. But I don't think that has anything to do with the ascension of pop hip hop. Right. It, it's just more so the prevalence of the Internet and, and the uh increased focus on style over substance. You know what I mean? That we, we live in kind of in like the Kardashian era of hip hop now where, you know, things got to be f flashy and cute and shit, you know, and, 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 uh, and kind of in service to this lifestyle of, 
of uh you know bottle popping and going to the club and 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 not really thinking in depth about anything you know just like um materialism over everything December 4th, 1990, you you know, you dropped your debut album, uh, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, and we're on the 30th anniversary. Um, so congratulations with that. Um, Thank you. Uh, the video and the title track, uh, The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, was, you know, famously uh, famously banned from MTV. Um, were you surprised that 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 happened? I mean, did you, I know, did you expect that you, you could have a video that might be banned? Well, the first, the first video was the one that was banned. That was Break the Grip of Shame. Okay. So that was the first one that I came out with. And that's the one I encountered a lot of resistance from. Um, it, it was just a, a back and forth and with, with MTV standards and with re-edits. And, uh, and then there was just a certain point in time where the towel was thrown in and they were just like, we can't fuck with this. And I don't think mm-hmm. they played with the, I don't think they played the devil made me do it video at all. And, and, uh, it was that it was just a con- kind of, of a, a confluence of events. It was me falling out with them about break the grip of shame. It was them not playing the devil made me do it. It was them, I think, being reluctant even to play anti-nigger machine by public enemy, mm-hmm. which, which I was also in at the time in that same year. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it just became apparent very early on that that outlet was not a friend to me and mm-hmm. that, you know, it was kind of that along with sleeping with the enemy and, you know, my turbulence with Tommy boy, that all of that planted the seeds for kind of the DIY approach that I was forced to take and emphasize to me the importance of ownership. And so those were the catalysts for me, you know, kind of being on this independent path that I've been on. Hmm. You know, obviously, I wasn't. Uh, if 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 I was able to interview you back when your debut album came out, this would of course be the question I would ask you. But uh, uh, can you kind of take us into like the you know recording process back then? Obviously, we you know we're in a different time where people could you know email each other beats and right. record record from their <laughs> closet at home. Uh, so obviously, you were going to the studio and stuff like that. What were some of, like those highlights that you remember of this recording process? But also, I don't any any specific highlights i know that the 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 devil made me do it album was recorded on a, on a 16 track half inch fostex i do know that it was a, <laughs> uh, excuse me a tascam a tascam half inch 16 track and uh and it was uh, you know just kind of a basic analog equipment and everything was new to us i think midi was even new at that point in time and uh you know went in and 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 you know, when you when you're buying studio time by the hour, and when you have to travel far to be able to actually do it, then you treat it seriously when you go in and you try to be as efficient as possible. But everything was a, a learn, you know, the, the learning curve was pretty steep, and everything was virgin territory for us. You know, it's like uh, we're here, we are forging this path, and you know, when you don't have any real guidance to show you one way or another because you know i wasn't the beneficiary of of a of having a producer with me all of this was kind of learned on the fly Mm. um and it was a trial and error type of approach so you know um i was able to soak up a lot of game and studio tricks just basically by observing and by doing things over and over again and by realizing that you know what i would leave with the studio more often than not sounded like shit (laughs) (laughs) so you know i had to you know, go ahead and, and, and learn it and, you know, just kind of hone my craft by observing. And, uh, 
you know, later on I, be, I, I learned more and, you know, became exposed to more and started dealing with musicians more. And, you know, I can read music and I can play. I'm a multi-instrumentalist, so that helps. Um, and that helped me going into it, but that's a completely different, being able to perform is a completely different skill set than being able to record and produce. Right. And, um, and you know, which is uh, trial by fire, I guess. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I mean, you, 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 you were recording the album at a time or, you know, so Public Enemy released their third studio album in, on April 10th of that year, uh, Fear of a Black Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, was there any, um, was there any for you going to those albums just to kind of give a listen to see how they did it? Or of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, I would always, I always say, I've said this many times, there would be no me without Public Enemy. At least not in, in you know in my current incarnation. The direction that I went in is a direct result of what they showed me as being possible in music, and and of the weight of the importance of what they had to say. All that was not lost on me, but you know stylistic influences. I mean, it, it, at least initially when I came out was uh, definitely Rakim. I always get even to this day. I get voice voice comparisons to him you know and, and kind of like vocal rhyme patterns to him which is you know hella flattering <laughs> Shit. you know what i'm saying because yeah. you know i mean he's kind of the alpha and omega of you know what a hip-hop mc is supposed to be to me mm. and then um you know and then there was cool j influences and you know what was cracking at the time ice cube and uh public enemy of course and um you know, I was kind of all over the place with 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 the production. You know, I didn't necessarily focus on any region in terms of how I wanted the sound to be. I just knew that I wanted it to be dark and I wanted it to be ominous and I wanted it to be something that that complemented, you know, how I came off vocally. Hmm. So that was always a focus. When we look at your uh, the album uh, in '92, uh, "Sleeping with the Enemy," and and you have two tracks that obviously stand out, would be the "Bush Killer" and "Coffee Donuts and Death." Right. Um, can you take me back into 1990, 1991, 92 at this time to kind of inspire these tracks, and why were they not just important then, but also just as important today? You know, the crazy part is those were just tracks that I recorded for the album. And that they weren't supposed to be the singles. They weren't supposed to be the standouts. It was the fallout from the 
censorship controversy that Ice-T had with Cop Killer and with the drama with Tommy Boy and with with Sex Records and Cheetah Records and uh, um, Rick Rubin and Luke and Atlantic and the whole Time Warner music, um, I mean, Warner Music Umbrella pushing back against that record and 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 effectively preventing it from coming out when I wanted it to come out. The, all of that media focus is what makes people kind of reflexively associate Sleeping With The Enemy with just those two songs, right? right. But it was, it was more than it was, you know, it was the days of old, it was a Sada song, it was a, a lot of other things on there that resonated with me um, equally as importantly because it was supposed to be an album that was presented as representing, you know, the totality of the experience of black people in America at the time. Right. And so it wasn't just this like uh, hood, like thug militant cop killer type shit. Yeah. I mean, that's the shit that that is associated with it. Yeah. Did we, did we, you know, mob on the white house and, yeah, of course. And did we, you know, was there a was there an assassination of the president? Yes, but you know, the 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 record itself was intended to represent much more than that, right? So when I went into it, when I made Bush Killer, it was just an it was just an a, a uh, an expression of of aggression, nothing more than that. And the same thing with Coffee Donuts and Death. At the time, it, there was a there was a, a cop that raped this woman, Nina Galf- Gelfont in, in uh, Oakland repeatedly. And it was something that, you know, resonated with me because police were at least on the surface supposed to, are supposed to be people that we trust. Right. That's never been the case for us in our community, but it was especially interesting to, to underline that fact with this particular record. And the officer in question was black and the woman was white. People don't know that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was not necessarily solely a racial thing as much as it was now. I think now much more so it is, um, you know, police malfeasance is definitely has a racial component now. But, you know, the powers that be, so to speak, have, have been brutally oppressive with everybody on a class level for a long time. And that is really what I was trying to get across in that song and in Bush Killer was you know the these these instances of aggression in the bush in in bush's instance the policies that foster economic um inequality and quite frankly poverty poverty is violence so you know the the the, the violence that was visited on black people at the time by way of the bush administration and by way of you know um police malfeasance all that shit was is what i was talking about if if there was if there was a track um for that album that you would want to be the kind of the the conversation piece around what track would it be i don't really i just i I haven't (laughs) thought about it like that you know because i gotta quite frankly reassociate myself with it man i I haven't listened to it in a minute but i but i you know I know that there are there are moments on there where that I'll that I'll listen to where, you know, the aggression that I and the rage that I was trying to convey are spot on. Like the the entire uh uh Gorillas in the Mist track, I mean, for example, even though I use the Brady Gripper Shame music again, that that 
that level of rage and and honestly anxiety you know i think it's conveyed the way i wanted to today's old of course is it's kind of a, a lament on the condition of the community um i saw the song is necessary i actually wrote that after coming back from cuba and meeting us out of Shakur in person and having her ride with us when I was on the road down there. Uh, and when I met Fidel, so, you know, the, 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 that entire experience was pretty deep. And uh, I didn't know, you know, she was two box on and I didn't know, you know, really the depths of her involvement with the Panther Party until I returned. And it was just kind of an ode to black women that I wanted to include on that project. And was something that was definitely going against the grain in what I heard hip hop artists doing at the time, even conscious hip hop artists, right? So it was just a, a way to, to include a component that made the entire album a whole, like a whole, a whole, a wholly presented project, you know, with a, a lot of different pieces that represented things that I wanted to have included. Another thing that stands out about I think about the the project and and if I'm unsure you know uh, if how much you remember about it in terms because I know it was a while ago and you know hip hop artists move on for projects while journalists try to dig deep and then want the hip-hop artist to rememberize everything uh, so um when what was interesting is that you 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 uh you you worked with a, a much younger obviously version uh a dj shadow on production mm-hmm. for the album right uh you know and he's obviously he's continued going and he's creating some great music as well um mm-hmm. what how did you guys connect and what was that what was the productions on the album that kind of made it work so well well, well i had a a, a um a radio show in college at KDVS. I went to UC Davis and um, Josh Davis, who is shadow is also from Davis. <laughs> and so he would come down during the radio shows and um, you know, and, and I would play some of his mixes on air and things like that. I mean, this is a long time ago. This is in 88, maybe. I mean, he was maybe 14. He was, he was a youngster and I was in college, so I was probably 19, right? And uh, and he would do his thing and, you know, and I realized that he was, he was a bomb DJ and he had a pretty intense depth of knowledge of samples and, and you know, old school tracks and break beaks and things. And, uh, and I told him that I was going to be doing a project. This is even before the devil made me do it came out right. I, I knew him before that project came out. And then when my second project came out, I don't know how we reconnected. Uh, when I started getting, getting ready to record sleeping with the enemy, but, uh, he gave me the sample for the days of old and, uh, he did some scratching on, uh, make way for a Panther, I think. And the, the long version of Bushkiller. That's what it was. So he didn't 
produce the album, anything on the album, but he did contribute. You know, he contributed that scratching and he gave me that sample. So, yeah, he's a, and you know, of course he's had his own trajectory, which has been very successful and I'm, I'm proud of him. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So when when Trump was elected, um, I had David Banner on the podcast, and he talked about how uh, he envisioned that this, he thought this could be a kind of a quote-unquote good thing in the sense where if uh, Hillary Clinton was elected, she's such a skilled politician that she would be able to kind of, you know, still do kind of shitty policies, but turn it in a way very charmingly that she's kind of helping as many people as possible. And Trump being not a good politician, it will just be exposed for what he is and what politics is in America. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when Trump was elected? And then how do you think, where, where do you think we are now? I mean, this, this country has a long storied history of being of being shitty to people that don't have money and who aren't male and white. So, you know, uh, it would I, I figured it would be more par for the course than anything. Um, and and when he was elected, my my initial feeling was that America got what it deserved. And let's see how it plays out, you know, and uh, and I, st- I actually st- stopped posting on social media because I just didn't give a shit. You know, social media has never really been anything that I've cared all that much about. It's it's, it's kind of a necessary evil in this new environment. If you want to have music heard and if you, you know, if you need anything to promote at all, you have to engage social media. But I just didn't really care, you know, and uh, I was I was fresh off of uh, my previous record, Pistol Politics. And it felt like more of the same and it felt like a kind of a, a reflexive reaction to the perceived darkening of America by the ascension of Barack Obama, which is, you know, is, is, is still just an extension of, of U S mm-hmm. imperialism and, you know, uh, the, the more of the same and shit, but with a, with a black face, but, um, the appearance, you know, just on a very basic level that, you know, white America was being diminished was responsible for Trump's right. ascension to me. And, you know, so a lot of a lot of the the, the, the backward momentum that we we've seen socially was to be expected. And, uh, you know, it's like motherfuckers get what they get. 
so I just, I, I it, it doesn't affect me, thankfully, as much, you know, because I'm, you know, I, I do okay for myself. I'm not really a, a somebody that's affected by government policy at all. And uh, I'm a casual observer of it. But, you know, when it comes to voting and when it comes to being socially active, you know, I had to put what's in my best interest aside and look out for those who are less fortunate than me. Right. And so that's kind of always been my approach, you know, and am, am I in any real danger of having an adverse experience with police when I leave home? No, because I don't live in an area like that. Right. But it still resonates right. with me because I'm black and be, and because I know people and I know where I come from and I know what I've seen and I know what continues to occur. Right. So when when Trump made it and everybody was, you know, on the right was beating their chest about this kind of resurgence of making America great again and all this bullshit. I already knew that the emperor had no clothes with his bitch ass and it was going to end up just pretty much how it ended. Um, the sad part is the way that it's ending and with this pandemic and people, people dying and, you know, and, and, the, and the wholesale rejection of facts and, and science and um, a moral compass that that kind of should be commonly embraced. You know, there are many people that don't don't fuck with it at all. And the rejection of these things has been normalized by a certain section of society. And I don't know if it's possible really to put that genie back in the bottle. And if it is, it's, 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 it's going to take somebody with real greatness that really has a true concern about people and really initiates change on a scale that I just don't think is possible for anybody to, for a lot of people to really regain any kind of trust in our institutions and should our, and should our institutions be trusted? I mean, there are people who don't fuck with it, for example, who are not going to fuck with this vaccine you know, for very real reasons. And so, um, you know, we're going to see how it all plays out. I mean, do you think, um, I mean, I, with going back to kind of the art and the, the purpose for this, this album is that would this album have been created if, if it was kind of Hillary Clinton became president, but it was business as usual. Yeah. Because the business as usual is still never really, shrouded in a way that's not detectable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, you know, these things that we've been railing against exist and they have existed through all types of administrations. You know, I I have in my, my, my most recent video is called Walk Like a Panther. And there's a, you know, there's scenes in there with Biden and Harris basically saying back to war, you know, we'll be right back to business as usual. Um, with the way things have always been, you know, with our with our ongoing psych cycle of U.S. expansion of U.S. imperialism of brutality visited on people of color more often than not in other countries with natural resources that we want right. to take. That shit is an ongoing constant, right? War is a constant. War makes money. Each side is supplied. You know, it is uh, it is something that is as old as this country itself. And uh, and the associated racism that accompanies it, 
um, and the classes and that accompanies it. All of that is baked in the cake. So it doesn't really matter who's in charge. Um, the same people suffer. And you also see that as well with, uh, I mean, just even with media, with doing headlines uh, regarding um, politicians, quote unquote, either distancing themselves from Trump as if that's an amazingly good thing that they're finally, you know, they're doing it as versus like, no, they're, they're just as implicit uh, with what's going on. That's not trying to normalize what they've been doing. Well, you know, everybody has their own respective agenda. And I think uh, politicians now are reading the cards in terms of, you know, um, um, the Trump's loss and, you know, what that means moving forward. And so they're just trying to position themselves to come out clean as possible and to still be viable and to still, you know, uh, uh, keep going back to the same pot um on the album uh, uh safe space invader you you know you ask uh why reconcile if we ain't free fuck peace uh and it's kind of and it's a real call to action on on the track press on um what 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 do you want listeners to kind of gain from that and what do you think the next steps are i mean that record is is emotion you know, I mean, of course, I'm analytical with things that I talk about, but it also the, the medium is hip hop and it's supposed to be emotive and it's supposed to move you in one direction or another. There are people that hate the shit that I do and hate what I represent and what I talk about. And then there are people that love it and live it and appreciate the fact that I'm talking about shit that resonates with them. And um that record and 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 pretty much every other record on Safe Space Invader is 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 talking about the times, and when I say why reconcile, it's just that it's it's not something that needs to be analyzed. It's like why am I trying to be down with motherfuckers that don't want to be down with me repeatedly? Why you know I am not of the of the mindset to be trying to put a flower in a cop's gun barrel. Right. Yeah. You know, and there are a lot of people who are on that kumbaya shit, you know, hugging police. That shit is all over the Internet and taking a knee and trying to work it out. I ain't trying to work out shit. Fuck it. You know, if it's going down, let it go down. But don't stand around and watch somebody get choked out. I don't understand, you know, uh, uh, 50 people standing around watching somebody die with their cell phones out. Right. Yeah. True. You know what I'm saying? That's some shit that I just I I I, I can't wrap my mind around that. Right. And and we live in a society where the population is afraid of the powers that be much more so than in a lot of other countries and a lot of other countries. You know, the government is afraid of the people. And here it's the polar opposite. And I think when people's mindset starts adjusting, you start realizing that, you know, these these enforcement in enforcers in place in our communities that willfully oppress us and, 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 and show, you know, kind of blanket disregard for our lives. You know, if they had any kind of, of a level of fear of real physical repercussion for the shit that they do, the uh, same thing with politicians, uh, a, a, a lot, a lot would of, of, of uh, the negative choices they make would be corrected. 
you know, if politicians truly had to fear some shit actually happening to them for denying people benefits and for and for cutting back things that are good for people and, you know, and for lining their pockets, you know, uh, uh, for the purposes of, you know, promoting corporate malfeasance, if they had to actually fear somebody fucking them up, all that shit would change. And, you know, that that that's a, like a, a, a brutal, savage um, notion for a lot of people, who, you know, like to reference black militancy in a way where uh, they state it's an antiquated notion and it's not something that's effective. Man, the language of America is violence and 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 violence has been very effective in America. You know, and uh, is, I'm I'm just asking people to rethink their approach to considering problems and to dealing with problems, and to rethink, you know, kind of what has uh, been ingrained in us as what's uh, what is acceptable. You know, you you look at all your albums, and you look at you know. And and you up up until of course this album as well and, and they're all so relevant in terms of subject matter you know like you st- you know Thank you. the time you know, of course but but how how do you I I guess as an artist that's to me just as an artist that seems amazing like that's great right it's just um, I appreciate it Thank but you. as a person how do you deal with that I mean how do you kind of you know be like ah this is track I made in you know for example track I made in 94 could just be played today and it would be, still be as relevant. Well, um, I, I, I probably go on the record as saying it's a shame that that shit is still relevant. If it still resonates with people and things, conditions still exist the way that they did at the time. You know, if you can play a track about police brutality that I made in 92 and this shit is spot on in 2020, then you know, something is wrong. Um, music is therapeutic for me, though, you know, and it's a way for me to get out what I want to what I want to say, get shit off my chest, you know, and um, I, don't, I don't it's not that I walk around angry, you know, like people that meet me like I joke around and talk shit and, you know, watch the game and like shit that everybody else. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But and, you know, people meet me and they expect Vader or some shit, you know, and, and, and it's not the case. It's just a way for me to vent how I feel, you know, and to, and to speak to, you know, what a lot of other people feel. Um, uh, you know, you go, you you kind of, I was reading an article, it was a review of, of an album. You, um, one of, one review of the, of an album and it talks about, um, Political hip hop being being their theories that political hip hop is dead. Do, do you agree with that sentence? Do you think political hip hop is dead? Or I mean, um, what do you think the author gets correct or actually right about? You know, wrong about it. It, dep- it depends on where you're looking, and it depends on where your sensibilities lie. I read another article uh, review saying that I've been making the same record for thirty years. Thank you. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I have been making the same motherfucking record for 30 years and shit has not changed in 30 right. years. So what does that tell you? You know, I don't I don't have a problem with uh, wearing wearing that on my sleeve. You know, I want people to know that they that the, the, the output that I make and and 
for the most part, that comes out on Gorilla Funk is shit that does go against the grain and is something that you're supposed to be able to feel good about, you know, and 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 doesn't normalize like weirdo right. shit. You know, I, I see that a lot of times in hip hop. Like hip hop is, you know, they want it like society to be all things to all people, but nine times out of ten, those things that they want it to be are shit that's not good for us. So, you know, I know my lane. I stay in it and and uh, and uh, allow people to come in, go on this journey with me. Let's go for a ride. So what's uh, I mean, so 2021 <laughs> happens. What's 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 next for for you, but also for Gorilla Funk? I have no idea what, what, what you know, shit, man, my my output level in terms of Paris albums is. You know, I, I don't know how soon, how soon or if ever I'll do another one. Um, I, I got other shit on my on my plate. Now I'm doing a lot with Netflix and uh, I got a George Clinton album that I'm going to be putting out on Gorilla Funk that I've been working on what seems like forever. And uh, and then, you know, I have uh, other artists on my label, uh, T Cash. He got another album coming out and. uh you know, just miscellaneous movie productions and shit. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm sure there will be uh, enough drama over this next year you know, to, to, to to dust this mic off again and, and get at them like I've been known to. But let's see how it plays out. Newest album is uh, Safe Space Invader. He's, uh, of course, uh, honored to have uh, Paris on uh, Live Air Rap, uh, the hip hop interviews with Tim Monaco. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Man, thank you. I appreciate it. Peace always. Let's go resist and represent those. Let the tech blow. Ride for a press soul. Die for a right to know. Liberation of my folks. Holding court in the streets. Neighborhood respect. Gangland truce. Music peace. Keep the heat for the ones deserving. Only for the ones that hurt us. Only for the ones that try to undermine our people's purpose. Thank you for your service. This hard truth slapping shit is not intended for. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.